And this week's episode of Studio Inter will be reviewing the defeat against Juve, the devastating draw against PSV, previewing Udinese, Inter Legends, Moji, Frog and Moratti, and much, much more. Everything here on Studio Inter, only on sempreinter.com. Ecco Perisic, uno contro uno, gioco di gambe, guadagna il fondo, il cross, Icardi, e gol, 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 Maurito il Mamba! Sono i blocchi nell'area di rigore, arriva la palla, la prende Messino! La prende Messino! Che segna solo contro le Romane, segna il gol del 3-1! Per una vittoria eccezionale, eccezionale! Benvenuti! Bentornati to another edition of Studio Inter. Uh, we've been on hiatus. Uh, part of it was planned, part of it was, wasn't planned. Uh, but we're happy to be finally back. Uh, and we've got a star-studded lineup for you today. Uh, we Starting with the host of the Alex Dono Show, uh, from all the way from Florida, Mr. Alex Dono. How are you, Alex? Well, it's December and it's Inter, <laughs> so I, I, could be, I could be much better. Uh, you know, <laughs> I'm excited for Christmas, but I, I dread this time of year as an Interista. So to answer your question, Nima, I could be a lot better. Yeah, I think that's that's the mood of most Interisti today. It's like all all all, all day today, everyone is like looked like they it's like a hangover, you know. Like it's just like everyone's like really somber. Uh, but we'll get into all of that. Uh, we're also joined by our good friend uh, Fulvio Santucci. Uh, he's uh, he he does the play by play for Inter supporters. Uh, welcome welcome back, Fulvio. Hi Nima. Hi. Hello everyone. Yeah, that's about it. And we're also joined by um, uh, the uh, Semprinter.com's own, uh, 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 the, the man behind Interlegend, Mr. Critty Smith. Welcome. Hey, guys, what's going on? You know, I was looking yesterday at my Inter kit. I was watching this and uh, this game, and I looked at my respect badge on the one sleeve and the Champions League ball on the other sleeve, and I thought it was nice while it lasted. <laughs> well, it was nice while it lasted, and I remember when um, the last time I think we recorded, I, or uh, it was a couple of weeks ago. Anyway, uh, what happened was that um, we were talking about how we did not want Inter to go into the PSV game having to win because that immediately comes after the Juventus game. And let's start with the Juventus game. Um, I I was actually surprised. I thought that was a good performance by Inter. I think especially in the first half. I think Brozovic was fantastic. I'm keen to hear your thoughts, Fulvio. Well, uh, well, Nima, uh, I have positive talk about uh, about the match with Juventus, uh, or at least uh, about the, about the first half because uh, Inter uh, play with uh, with pride. Uh, and um, I think that uh, in that case, Spalletti prepared well the match. I appreciate uh, also his, um, his tactic during the first half. He changed something. Uh, after 10 minutes, uh, I remember he, um, he, practically, uh, he practically added a man on the midfield and uh, gave to Politano the task uh, to, to, mo- to move out the ball from the defense uh, with, with, with a lot of speed. And that worked actually. Uh, that worked because uh, in that in in this way you were um, uh, Inter Inter have uh, another another man uh, in the midfield and uh, in some in some case a stand uh, was outstanding because uh, Pjanic uh, was uh, practically not uh, in the condition to play well. 
so the the only disappointing thing is the um, it's the same thing that we say here on Studio Inter practically every week that Inter practically needs uh, thirty uh, chances before scoring, <laughs> and yeah, and that's and that's practically that's practically the the trick of this, uh, the negative trick of this. Uh, but I think that uh, that that first half Spalletti prepared the team uh, to to score to score a goal. Um, to score the to score the opening, actually, if I to be honest, so mm. I think that the plan was was correct, but uh, Inter did not score, and in the second half, uh, things uh, dramatically changed. Absolutely, um, I'm going to get to Spalletti uh, later on because I think it kind of ties up with the with the game against PSV. But um, before um, before we move on to that, I I, I, I I'm curious. Uh, the thing is, I was thinking, uh, looking back at the game, and I also felt this during the game. I was really, really, really positively surprised because personally, I mean, if you look at like play by player, if you look at the squad wise, I think Juventus is probably the best team in the world right now in terms of quality. Um, and I was really impressed to see how how Inter away at at in Turin at Juventus uh, Stadium or Allianz Stadium or whatever it's called were managed to to play so evenly and not just evenly actually shake Juventus and create problems for Juventus the way they did um, and and exactly like you said Fulvio the game plan was definitely to score the first goal uh, in the first half and then and then build after that. Um, Alex, uh, we're, I mean, after you know, after after the, after the game ended the way it did, could you could, can, do you think there are positives that we can take away from this, or is it just basically December and Inter? You know, I, I'm I'm glad you asked it that way because I I did take many positives from that match. Uh, first of all, as Fulvio outlined, the approach from Spalletti I thought was refreshing because. Inter were really trying to win that match. They were really trying to take it to Juventus. I know that there were some people wondering in the speculation before the game, uh, do they really try and play for a draw? Are they already thinking about, you know, a very important Champions League match with PSV? I think people who know Serie A and know Inter know that they're certainly not going to be looking past a matchup with Juventus. But I appreciate the approach trying to win that match. Um, But, you know, to me... um, while I was very happy with the way they played, specifically through the first 45 minutes, when Gagliardini couldn't bury that chance, um, I, I, my heart sunk after that, knowing that you're not going to get maybe any more chances like that against this Juve team. That to get a golden opportunity like that, and, and what a beautiful would-be assist from Icardi to set that up, you know, not being able to bury that in the back of the net. I didn't know if we would ever see a defensive lapse or an opportunity conceded by Juventus to put one on the board. So I'll be honest, I know that was early in the game, uh, you know, before the half hour mark. But when that happened, I, I started to resign myself to thinking maybe the best chance here is a nil-nil draw because the opportunities Inter is going to have to score goals in this game are only going to close up from that point forward. But you know, why I, I don't take a lot of negatives away from that match. And, and Nima, you pointed it out that if you go down their squad list, Juventus is arguably the best team in Europe right now. And to have that sort of a mentality, to have so many opportunities and openings in the first half, to play the way that Inter did, at a certain point, you have to resign yourself and just realize Inter doesn't have the horses that Juventus has. We don't have the squad that Juventus has. So, there's only so much you can expect from a match like that. And the fact that they took it to Juve, really tried to win that match and had, up until the Mandzukic goal, they had the best scoring chance of that game. I can take positives away from that. 
Uh, do I feel great after coming away with zero points at Juve? No, I feel terrible about that. But but I can't look at that match and, and criticize the players for the way that they played because they played with pride for ninety minutes. Mm, you sure did, Critty. What are your what, what is your take on the on on the Juve game? Yeah, so, I mean, a lot of what uh, Alex and Fulvio said is uh, what I was going to say. That they actually summed it up very perfectly. And, I mean, I think that, that, that – but there are a couple things that I do want to add to it. I, and, and this is, this is a, a really uh, great discussion on, on some of the key points that uh, – positive points that Inter had. But I do want to say one of the things that I took away negative is I don't understand the Borja Valero and Joao Mario combination. <laughs> because now you have two non-tackling midfielders, and it's exactly at that point when, of course, Mandzukic scores the goal, right? He basically struts through mid... They basically... Juventus strut through the midfield, almost uncontested. And that, that's, that's, a, that's such a puzzling uh, personnel combination there in, in the midfield because you have... Uh, you're, you, t- you took off a player who was, you know, uh, a, a strength, I guess you could say, as far as the 4-3-3 that he lined up in. And now you're adding... Um, yes, uh, it's, it's an offensive-minded player, creative player, but it, it, now you have... Mario and João Mario and, and, and Borja Valero both suffer from much of the same weaknesses. And now you have the two of the three midfield players are, 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 you know, lined up in that way. So it's, um, I heard someone, I heard someone say earlier, um, you know, it's like everyone understands that in the world of football, except the man who's the manager of Inter. And, um, <laughs> and I don't, so, so that's one thing. And the other thing is I agree with what Fulvio and Alex said. There's a lot of positives, man. That first half, you know, Inter were out to win. They absolutely came to take three points away at the Allianz Arena. There's no doubt about that. They were the aggressors. They took it to Juve. And that's what you want to see because conventional wisdom would tell you that you play for the draw. You have a massively important game coming up on Tuesday. You have, you know, four days off after that to prepare. You take the draw. You take the one point and you live to fight another day. But, but Inter did not do that. Uh, and, and they went after three points. Here's what we did learn, though. There is no anti-Juve. The anti-Juve is Juve themselves. Right I now, agree. there is I not agree. a single team in Serie A that can match up with them. That goes for Napoli. That goes for Inter. That goes for Milan. That goes for Roma, Lazio, et cetera, et cetera. They are just too damn good and too stacked. They have too many horses. Um, I'm so int- I'm really interested. I'm, I'm glad you brought, the, brought that up. I wanted to ask uh, for you, you, Fulvio, especially this part about the Spalletti thing, because I think it's really interesting. Because um, Spalletti, I think, you know, up until this point, he's he's done he's done a really good job at Inter. He, you know, he got into to the Champions League. He's got players like Brozovic and Ambrosio and, and many other players who, or Joao Mario even, who we all thought were hope, hopeless causes, who actually are damn good. And in Brozovic's case, especially against Juventus, is world class. I thought his first half against Juventus was was some of the most amazing thing I've, I've ever seen. I've, I've seen a midfielder play, uh, an inter midfielder play for for a long time. But I'm also really interested. This is something a lot of people at Roma used to criticize him for that he kind of overthought himself whenever he you know he made life too difficult for himself and made stuff you know he he makes life too difficult and makes simple mistakes and makes tactical decisions that cost Inter the game. And I don't mean just the Juventus game. I think the win in, in against Roma was compromised by Spalletti, and I think the PSV game that we'll get to as well was in some parts also Spalletti's fault. I'm interested to hear your thoughts on, on, on this aspect of it. Well, what can I say? Um, this uh, this kind of things about uh, the tactical handling of a match about Spalletti has uh, always been uh, been a limit for him. 
And um, I think that uh, Spalletti is uh, a perfect uh, coach for your team when your team is the underdog. But uh, when comes the, when 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 you come to the to the condition of being against or being stronger or uh, in uh, other kind of uh, matches uh, to be uh, to be the the team on uh, the team on the team ahead of of another team and that's when Spalletti struggled a bit um that's that was not the case against Juventus uh, but uh, you know he prepared well the game and uh, i think that i'm still convinced that uh, the the game changed when I, when politano was subbed um and not because politano was subbed but because was subbed by borca valero and that means that you practically uh, that you practically um, avoid uh, to to play um, to play football uh, with a with a, an acceptable speed and uh, that that results in a in a Juventus victory because when you when you reduce your speed uh, against Juventus uh, it's uh, practically sure that Juventus is going to win the match um so Yes, I think that uh, he has this limit, and it's probably the um, it's probably the limit that's never, um, or at least let me rephrase. I think that's the limit uh, that um, uh, did not allow him to reach a good level in the past. Because if you come to think of, come to think about it, uh, Spalletti is a coach, uh, a Serie A coach since uh, 20 years now, and never had the chance to want to to win a major trophy. Uh, I think that's uh, the only thing was Coppa Italia, Supercoppa Italiana, but still, you know, minor trophies as uh, as as are considered in Italy, um, and that's because I think that at some point uh, he uh, he refused to face his limit, and this limit is um, is probably too is probably too conservative. At some point of the game, he's not going to make that jump. It's not going to make that effort to say. Okay, now I'm gonna I'm gonna mm, I'm gonna outstand myself. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna turn my my team into an, an outstanding team, and I'm gonna win the match. It's practically the same thing that happened last year against Juventus, and we talked here on Studio Inter yeah. about that yeah. sub when Icardi was subbed uh, yeah. sub by Santon. It's practically the same thing, right? And it's the same old story for Spalletti. It's always like that, right? It's a, a pretty good coach if you need to. If you need to go, or if you need to, if you're not, if you have not the pressure to win a trophy, but when it comes, when the pressure raise, when the temperature raise, then Spalletti struggle a bit, and I think that we should consider that for the future. Absolutely, and, I, and I'm glad you brought that up uh, because I, I mean, we have to address this thing because there's, there's a lot of Inter fans out there who have completely lost their minds these past few days and talking about sacking Spalletti now, and that's not what we're saying. I don't think any of us agree or think that we should sack Spalletti now. I think what we're saying, I think what, what Fulvio is, what you just phrased is exactly my opinion, and that's that Spalletti is a good, good stepping stone to, to better and bigger and better things. Uh, if you finish seventh and sixth or whatever, then you want something to stabilize in the top four, top three. Spalletti is your man, but he's not your man when it comes to winning titles. Um, yeah, exactly yeah. like that, Nimam. You, yeah. you perfectly got the concept. Yeah, no, because because I I have to ask also, uh, uh, Alex, what is your thought on this Spalletti out nonsense? Well, I mean, to me, I know it, I know it's a leading question, but I mean, to me, it's nonsense. I mean, <laughs> it, it, is, it, nonsense. it is nonsense. I mean, it, it is on. nonsense. Uh, 
first of all, he, he's not doing a terrible job here, right? It, it, some of the subs have been questionable, but I still give him so much credit for getting this team into Champions League this season, taking the team as far as he has. And, and to me, I, I look at one of the, the problems with Inter since Mourinho. It's been such a lack of stability at manager. The amount of people we've seen in, out, sacked, it's, it's, it, it makes your head spin after a while. The, the only time I will ever be in favor of Spalletti out, and I'm not at this time, is, is if you can guarantee me Simeone is ready to go, he's ready to come, come on board. Or, or maybe even Mourinho is ready to, to come back, as we talked oh. about a few weeks ago. <laughs> I know I've opened up a can of worms with that one, but no, I, I'm not. I'm not sacking Spalletti just for the sake of sacking him. I think it's ridiculous because you have to ask yourself: Can you do better than Spalletti right now? And, and my answer to that question is almost 100% no. So I, I need to see the stability of his project continue. Do, do, do some of his substitutions make me want to punch a hole through a wall? <laughs> Absolutely. But, but I, I think that's the case with, with almost any coach, that there are going to be times, unless you have a roster like Juventus, where you can bring in people off of the bench who are good enough to start on, on great teams in, in other leagues uh, because they're that except, deep. Except Rugani. Except Rugani. <laughs> that, that, that's true. That's a fair point there. But, but no, it's like, is the man perfect? Absolutely not. Should he be sacked today? Absolutely not. I, I need to see... Some, some stability in this project continue? And will there come a point down the line where you need to bring in someone at another level to win serious trophies? Absolutely. But I don't think we've reached that time yet. Couldn't agree with you more. Um, I wanted to... Uh, there's, there's, there's kind of a... There's one more point I wanted to bring up. Uh, uh, and, and this this is um, uh, about Icardi. And I think it's it was so interesting to see, uh, I think, especially against Juventus and against PSV, because I think he did the same thing in both of those matches. A lot of the time he's been criticized for just being in the box, not moving around, not being a target man that's, that, that can link up with, with the rest of the team. But against Juventus and PSV, I thought he was simply phenomenal. I thought it was a world-class performance from him by doing in that he did exactly what he's criticized by his detractors of not doing. And I mean, is this is does this mean that we're seeing a new Icardi, an evolution in his game, or is this uh, just a temporary tactical thing? Uh, that um, Spalletti has 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 got him doing. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, uh, Quiddy? So I think that's a small sample size. I know exactly what you're saying, and you're right. He he was brilliant uh, in that aspect over this past uh, few games. But uh, as a whole, yes, it's also said much like um, well, much like the manager that our star striker also has his limitations. Uh, he is uh, tremendously gifted inside the box. He can make the most out of the smallest of opportunities and windows, and he can score from set pieces like no one's business. But, uh, yeah, the link-up play and being able to drop back and be a true target man, and, and, and that's been uh, – I, I don't want to say necessarily – it's, it's different with Cardi. Is it, a, is it a matter of will or skill? That's, that's, that's my question about that. Is it, can he do it? Now he's showing he can do it. Was he was he just not was he just not motivated to do it before? Is it something that he didn't have in his skill set that he's now acquired? I mean, this is these are all questions. It's just too early to say that this is a new Icardi. Uh, we need to see a much larger sample size. I think if you if you continue to see progress in this area, um, it it has bothered I know a lot of people that he 
he basically just he just waits to to, to get his opportunity and, and scores. And you remember the Barca <laughs> game. The, the Barca game is another is another prime example of that. Is just you know for eighty nine minutes you know or, or however long it was, Inter does essentially nothing, and then Icardi gets one good look and bam, it's a, it's a goal. You know, it's an equalizer. <laughs> so it's um. I, I think I, I think that I need to see a little bit more before I can definitively say that this is a new Mauro Cardi. He is uh, obviously world class, just being who he is and who he has been. But uh, if he did add that extra piece onto it, uh, you're talking about a a very special, maybe even once in a ger- generation type player. Well, um, well I th- yeah, well, I wanted to exactly yeah go full. I wanted to ask you your thoughts. Uh, yeah, because I think I have uh, I have an explanation, or at least I can I can try to give an explanation and an answer about uh, about the question. Um, so, what about this new Icardi? Is uh, how how come this this new Icardi? Well, I think that for me, playing Champions League was crucial for him. Um, and that's because uh, when you play in Italy, uh, you practically play eighty percent of uh, you playing Inter, of course. Um, you play 80% of your games with teams that uh, are practically focused on the fans. And when you focus on the fans, that means that uh, you can afford to be uh, far from your team because you can occupy the box. Uh, and uh, practically this was the only way that he can't knew so far. But uh, when the Champions League comes, uh, things change, right? Because uh, it's not like that. When you come to the Champions League, you, you don't find teams that... Uh, uh, spent uh, the whole game into the defense, but uh, attack you, so face-to-face practically. And um, at some point you should find a solution. So the real question was, uh, is Icardi able to uh, change uh, his style of play um, while playing Champions League? And the answer is yes. He changed his style of play because he needed that solution and he found in his resources that he had the solution to play with the team. So I think that's uh, and that that's that's um, that's something that I think is crucial for all players. Uh, you need to, to um, you need to to play uh, against uh, the strongest team in the world to understand your real potential. If you are if if you have if you have potential, of course, if you have a world class potential, and that's exactly what I think happened to Icardi actually. I think that's a really valid point, uh, and the fact that he's the first. Uh, let me let me just read this out so I don't say it, so I don't say it wrong. But he is also. I mean, his his goal yesterday against PSV makes him the first Inter player to debut in the Champions League or the European Cup and score in every single home game uh, 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 in the Champions League. He yeah, scored four for, goals in six first three matches. actually. Yeah, first, first three, three yeah, home yeah. games. Yeah. yeah, first three home games. In his first three home games in the Champions League, he scored in every single one. And he scored four and six goal, four four goals in six matches. And I'm just thinking, you know, if you know, this this is a really interesting inter project. I mean, think think of what you can do if you give this guy more chances, if you can have, you know, if, if it really clicks for him. I mean, he's already what, 120 goals in or what is it, hundred yeah, 120 goals in two hundred matches or something. It's it's insane. I mean, his his finish Finishing is, is is incredible. He's not a, he's not a dribbler. He's not a you know a Cristiano. He's not a Messi. But the guy score puts it in the back of the net, and that's kind of what it's about. I mean, but Batistuta compared him. I think it was Batistuta. It was a Costa Curta actually who compared him to to a mix of Crespo and Batistuta, and and I think that's a that's a pretty good mix right there. Um, you know, Nima, real quick, it's a shame. It's really a shame. That it's it's great for us to see, and he's going to be a part of this inter resurgence, and I, I do believe that resurgence is well underway. But it's a shame that Icardi spent a lot of his years in the dark days of Inter's history, especially mm-hmm. in the last ten years, uh, because or last eight years, 
because this is a guy who you really should be mentioning in these Interlegends articles, you know, 10, 15 years from now that had all these trophies won and all this success. And so far, you know, he doesn't have any show for that. And I do hope that those will come. But I mean, this guy is truly uh, he, he's a gem of a player. And, uh, you know, I can only hope that that all, all the success that all the hard work that he's put in and all the managers he's had to watch go through the door, the revolving door to enter that uh, things come to 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 a happy ending for him. Mm. Agreed. Agreed. Right. Um, we, we have to talk about the, the elephant in the room because he's been one of the best players uh, for Inter since, since coming. And we've all praised Auxilio and we've all praised him. But it started against Juventus a little bit and it completely, uh, you know, went off the rails against PSV. What has happened to Asamoah? Because is it just fatigue or, or, or were Juve selling us a Trojan horse? Like, what are we talking about here? Uh, Fulvio, what are your thoughts? Well, I'm not the guy who's pointing the finger to Azamoy, if I have to be honest. Uh, I mean, uh, his mistake was uh, was 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 a, a real huge mistake, uh, and uh, no one is denying that. Uh, um, but uh, it's a fact that he's playing bad at the moment. Uh, but uh, if I have to be honest, uh, uh, I, it's nothing. It's nothing. It's nothing new for me. Uh, also in Juventus, uh, he had some. Uh, um, some real blackouts, uh, uh, and after after matches uh, played really well. And uh, if you remember um, Inter Juventus uh, when De Boer practically when what when De Boer was on the bench and we beat Juventus, uh, Perisic and Icardi, um, practically we were we were um, how can I say uh, the, the we scored the draw thanks to to Azamoa. Because practically he did the same, exactly the same play. Uh, he lost the ball in the in his box practically, and uh, that's that's when we found we found the we found the goal. So uh, it's nothing new for me actually. Uh, I think that uh, this is something that uh, that uh, happened a lot to Azamoa into into his career. And uh, the bad luck for us that uh, this uh, yesterday it happened during uh, a match uh, with no return practically a match uh, with one way uh, so I don't know uh, I think that um, uh, the, the, the point is not that Azamoa uh, made the mistake the point is that uh, due to the Azamoa mistake uh, all the teams start to, to sh- um, the legs shake for all the teams yeah. right because if you think well this is the this is the player with uh, most caps in Champions League that they have on the field uh, yeah. my, this is my teammate uh, more experienced in this competition and this is making this huge mistake. Wow, that's that's something, and I'm not able to react to that. Practically, that's what happened to Inter at some point. I mean, for me, the, the what really scared me was not that a PSV scored a goal. I mean, they scored it pretty early on. I mean, there's so much left in the game that you can turn it around. But it was Spalletti's reaction. His reaction was immediately to tell everyone to calm down, and that 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 to me tells me the story that there was something wrong in their preparation uh, because you, if, if you have to tell the players to calm down, then just after conceding a goal, there's something wrong in the mental approach or where, where the players were mentally or the, or the feeling that was going around. Um, at least that's my, that's my take on it. Well, what's yours, Alex? It, to me, uh, what happened against PSV, that Asamoah mistake, it's, it's Pazza Inter. Like it, it is. It is everything <laughs> you hear about. It's everything you dread. It's everything that comes to reality. To to be controlling the early minutes of the match the way that Inter was. Uh, to to be unable to capitalize on golden scoring chances, and then the second 
you make a mistake. And in that case, it was Asamoah with a terrible mistake. The second you make a mistake, you concede a goal. I, I think you could I think you could see in that match, and, and Spalletti talked about it a little bit afterwards, that there was certainly something with the mentality. Uh, and, and I think it's a perfect example of how inexperienced these players are in Europe, where ironically, Asamoah, having been at, at Juve, is one of the more experienced players in Europe, and yet they looked frantic to me. Uh, they looked a little bit nervous. They looked a little bit too high strung to me. And it's why, even though you had the possession, you had the pressure, but you didn't really have the quality. A lot of the touches were off. Uh, I just thought to me, I, I was watching a club that was feeding off the energy of an amazing San Siro, uh, a club that was clearly the better team on the pitch. No question about it. Uh, they, they had 20 shots to five shots for PSV, which you know, the possession was, was grossly in Inter's favor. It painted a picture there. But it looked like a team to me that doesn't have that poise to to win the matches they should win. And I was a little bit surprised. I was thinking we're probably headed for a 2-0 a victory or a 2-1 victory over PSV. And then let's hope that, uh, that Barcelona can do a job against Tottenham and at least get a result. Uh, but maybe I should have been a little bit more focused on what Inter had to do and a little bit less focused on what Barcelona had to do in the lineup that they put out there because uh, I was watching an Inter squad that, to me, it, they need more European experience before mm. they can close matches in big moments like that. That's that's a really interesting point. That's a really interesting point. Um, Crudy, uh, how, how, now that we've almost 24 hours past yesterday, what, what's going through your head? Actually, I'm not... You know, honestly, I eight points in the group. I'm not disappointed with it, and I'm not really sad about it. I think that Inter, you know, they 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 finished level on points for second place. You know, it's all about goal differential and away goals and all that crap, and that's how they ended up, you know, losing the tiebreaker to Spurs. They had two chances to take the uh, the bull by the horns, uh, both uh, in London and then again at home, and you know, they they ended up losing the one and getting a draw out of the other. They probably were fortunate to win some of the games they won earlier in the competition. And this happens in sports all the time. You have a team that hasn't been to Europe in seven years, and they're back for the first time. And what I mean by Europe is not the Europa League. I mean the big, you know, the big guys, <laughs> the Champions League. And they don't know how to win these games yet. They have to kind of learn that. It's learning mm. on the fly. You see it all the time in sports, especially when you see, when we talk about, like, uh, American sports and playoffs. If you have a really great regular season for a team that you know is coming off of a of a couple of losing seasons, and they get in the postseason and they don't know how to win, they and, and it takes them a year or two. And I feel like that's where Inter is right now. Is that you need another one? And if we're we're right here. We're you know top three. We qualify top four again next year. Right back in the Champions League group stage. I think it's a development process, and I think Inter's in the first step of that. I think eight points in this group. This was not an easy group, guys. I mean, this no. was um this was very tough. Spurs is a great team. We all know. Uh, what, what their roster has and their manager and you know he's highly sought after all over the continent and, and of course you know Barcelona speaks for themselves so the fact that Inter were able to get eight points and, and, and finish level with, with Spurs there's nothing to be ashamed of in that it's just it, it's, it's hard to accept the fact that we were so close uh, yet so far away I guess you could say but I, I'm not upset and, uh, and the more I think about it you know I thought that the effort was um, the effort was there earlier in the competition in the first two or three matches, and we just we, we, we failed. We don't have that killer instinct yet, and we don't know how to close teams out. And um, the, to, to the second point in this game is this team was so nervous. They were so erratic, and they just they, – it was like they were, um, you know, all in their own heads. It was kind of like they, they just didn't know how to get out of their own way. If you look at the shots – 
I mean, what I think PSV had what four shots, three on target the whole game, and you know, Inter was like twenty or more, and it, it's 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 like it's obvious who dominated statistically, but you know, uh, of course, Inter scores on a set piece again with Icardi. You know, nothing from open play. I just think that we. They they know this too about December. They know all about this this dreaded curse. You know, going back to Mancini back in 2015-16, first place before Christmas, and then from there it's all downhill until a fourth place slide. So, I just think that we need this team under Spalletti needs a little bit more experience with this and and learning how to win in these tough games. You know, they didn't they just didn't happen overnight. Uh, back in 2005 2006, it was a development, and then. It culminated in 2010. Well, this is we're at the beginning. We're at the step, the starting point of this whole, you know, inter coming back to prominence. So I think we we just need to be patient. I mean, I I know it sucks because I'm telling everybody to be patient when we've been on this little skid here since 2011. But yeah, we just we unfortunately that's all we that's all we can do right now. Mm. Yeah, agree. Uh, I just think it's um, it's kind of typical, isn't it, that Coutinho hits the post twice and Lucas Mora who Branca, I think Branca had dinner with every single pop member of his family when they wanted to, <laughs> sign, wanted to sign him back in the Moratti days before Leonardo just went up there, paid 40 million, and he went off he went to PSG. It's very typical, isn't it, that it was going to be one of those nights where Coutinho hits the post twice and Lucas Mora get, gets Tottenham through. Um, speaking of, uh, look, you know, look, looking forward now, um, the Europa League... Um, Fulvio, you, you, I think you and I are a little bit here on the um, uh, on the same side here. That this the Europa League and Inter from now on, man, this is not going to go so well, is it? Yes, I don't have uh, <laughs> I don't I don't have good expectation for this uh, for this tournament um, because uh, what I think about Europa League, uh, um, well, first of all, is a is a tournament that I that I watch uh, and uh, that I know. I think that I know that. And uh, I can say for sure that uh, it's a tournament uh, where the, the um, how can I say, uh, the ability and uh, the technique of players and of clubs, it's, uh, it's, a, it's less than the Champions League. But actually, the mental effort, the psychological effort is exactly the same. And uh, you can ask Lazio. When uh, last, last year, Lazio have a stronger team, really stronger team than Salzburg. But uh, they disconnected mentally, and uh, they they practically they practically took three goals in uh, five minutes, uh, and yeah. uh, they went out. And exactly for this reason, it's like a psychological issue there. Um, and I think that Inter suffers about this. Um, Inter suffer about this, and uh, uh, it's not ready to to try to win trophy in Europe. Uh, uh, Inter as I think that uh, uh, on top of that. Uh, Inter has also some uh, um, some structural limits when we come to the to the when we come to the to the squad to the eleven. Uh, we have some structural limits uh, that are not okay to to try to um, to try to reach uh, the top in Europe in each and every competition in Europe. Starting with a starting with a midfield that is not is not adequate to this level. Um, so, what do you think would be like a respectable level for Inter to 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 exit the Europa League? Is it a quarterfinal? Is it the round of sixteen? I would say I would say quarterfinal. Quarterfinal uh, would be a good result for me, um, according to the according to the team like it is right now. I don't know if uh, in January the Mercato will uh, will bring something, and I don't know if we can line up 
what Mercato will uh, will bring due to the financial fair play and uh, deduction of, from the list and so on and so forth. But uh, at, uh, as, as it stands right now, I think that uh, the level of Inter, uh, especially um, knowing uh, which, which kind of teams uh, they are in Europa League uh, this, uh, this year, Arsenal, Chelsea, Napoli, Sevilla, um, I think that uh, the most acceptable results and the most realistic results could be the, the quarterfinal. Mm. Kurdi, what, what are your thoughts on that? I agree with a lot of what Fulvio said. I think that a quarterfinal would probably be kind of, um, I don't want to say the ceiling. I do believe that the team, you know, has the ability to get to a semifinal, but I think that you can feel comfortable in uh, getting to that point and then losing to uh, one of those teams he just mentioned about, you know, Chelsea, Arsenal. I don't want to lose to Arsenal. Take that back. Um, <laughs> uh, Chelsea or, or you know, um, it, you know, great. It would be great, you know, if you had like a Napoli Inter uh, quarterfinal. That would be some great, uh, you know, it's great exposure for Serie A. You know, on, on the one hand, you know, but um, yeah, I just I, I don't want to repeat of what happened two years ago in Europa League, where Inter completely just ne- just neglects it and thinks that it's a joke. I mean, um, the, you know, not every team is Bate Borisov or. SC Freiburg or something like that. This top competition does have uh, some rather good uh, clubs in at this point in 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 the in the, in the game. So 32 teams. Uh, I just want Inter to advance a couple of rounds. And again, all of this is European experience. This is once again this is development. This is a chance for Inter to experience this, to travel, to have to you know uh, get used to these uh, home and away games, to win on aggregate. This is this is all this is all a learning process. And so the further you get, it's 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 better for this team. And and I expect nothing but more greatness to come out from Icardi in this competition. I think that you know I, I look for him to at least get his A plus effort. And I would hope that the rest of the team will follow suit. But I do agree with Fulvio. This team has uh, uh, does have its 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 limitations. The the FFP comes into play, of course, as well. Uh, apparently, only Inter gets punished by FFP. Man City and, uh, <laughs> yeah, right. can, can do as right. can do as they please. But um, yeah, so Inter will have to obey their masters uh, uh, at UEFA and uh, bow down to to whatever they they tell us. And uh, so that's going that's going to you know obviously uh, not have us at, at full capacity. But yeah, quarterfinal if we can get there, I would honestly, guys, if we can get top four in a quarterfinal in the Europa League, I, I think it's a, a decent effort this season. Yeah, uh, agreed. Yeah. Agree, uh, Alex. What What are your thoughts about the Europa League? I personally think of my experience down in Milan um, with 600 people at the San Siro against Nefci uh, in that bizarre, <laughs> <laughs> the most bizarre experience I've had in my life in, in in Milan, where you could hear the players talking. It was bizarre. Um, right. So let, let me. What What are your thoughts? Well, sure. I I think Fulvio and Critty made great points, especially to the point where. You know, Europa League is not where any of us want to be. It's not where the players want to be. It's not where Spalletti wants to be. It's not where the fans want to be. But I, I think it's very important to keep a strong mentality and, and don't just give up on Europa League. Because like Critty mentioned, it is experience, European experience. Uh, this is a team that, of course, we, we do expect, strongly expect, to be back in Champions League next year. So make the most of this experience to try and get yourself ready for high-level European play. The other thing that I keep looking at, guys, is to me, if Inter has mental lapses and, and doesn't take Europa League seriously and gets humiliated there, I worry about how that mentality can rub off on the rest of the City of A campaign. Because I don't, I don't know yet. Uh, certainly, they have a stronger squad list this season than last season. But I don't know yet if they have a stronger mentality this season than last season. And, and I'm worried that 
if they give less effort in one competition, if that is going to carry over into the way they perform and the attitude they have in Serie A, where, you know, right now a lot of people are taking top four for granted for Inter. Uh, I still just want to get out of December in the top four at this point and, and hope that they can stay a competitive, strong side. But I, I don't want this team to, to take Europa League lightly because that mentality may rub off on the way they play in big Serie A matches. I'm so glad you brought that up because I've I've been worried because this was exactly the next point I wanted to bring up because Inter now, uh, are are hosting Udinese on Saturday, and I my worry is even is even bigger than yours there, and that's the fact that I think that this this disappointment uh, uh, against you know not going through against PSV that the air kind of um, I'm afraid that this is going to implode now. Because it's December, because of all the enthusiasm surrounding the Champions League has kind of faded away now that it's gone, I'm worried that it can already start impacting the performances in the Serie A. Uh, am I being paranoid, Fulvio? Or am I just being an interista? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, your point could be correct because it's experience, right? It's, that's, that's what practically happens all, all yeah. the time. And, yeah, that's, yeah. And, that's, and that's correct. <laughs> On the other side, I remember that uh, we have, to, uh, as Interisti, we have the same, uh, the, same, um, uh, the same paranoid and the same struggles in, in the line of thinking. When we came to the Tottenham match, that was the, the opening match of the Champions League. And if you remember, we, uh, we practically lost uh, the game with Parma and uh, we lost the game with Sassuolo like uh, three weeks before. So it was, uh, it was, not, it was not definitely a good time to, to play against Tottenham in Champions League. Uh, but uh, we won that match. And uh, practically after that match, we won uh, like eight other matches in a row. Um, so practically, that could be that could mean that uh, uh, Inter has some uh, limits about this. Um, so, um, uh, as we say in Italy, uh, Inter tends to lose in a in a glass of water, right? Yeah. Um, but on the other side, on the other side, I think that uh, um, when when we come to reaction, uh, at least uh, in this season, uh, Inter already show that uh, could unleash um, himself itself by by winning winning match so yes inter is like that uh, it's not the great team that can uh, can afford to to be sure to to win a match after 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 a, a negative series of match of matches but on the other side uh, is uh, this um, uh, it, it's it's another side of the coin here uh, and uh, i think that um, the match against Udinese, if, if inter uh, is able to react to this uh, to this disappointing match against PSV. Uh, I think that could um, could just uh, be back in the track and uh, start winning games. And uh, I remember all all of you. I remember 26th of December. That's the game against Napoli. So we need to get prepared yeah. for that. That's exactly what I. That's exactly it. Uh, that, that's that's what I'm worried about because, okay, th- thankfully the Napoli game is at San Siro and not in Naples because that's a totally different ball game. But yeah. um, but but having said that, I mean Udinese, they sure they're they're not having the best time uh, right now, but they're a tricky team. And if we talk about bogey teams, remember last season Inter were going you know winning games all the time and we're just gonna you know played really well against Udinese and we're just gonna destroy. Udinese started really well, and then Inter started losing. It was around this time of year. I mean, we we've seen we've seen it happen before. Um, so 
Well, you know, okay, sure, Inter have come a long way since last, since exactly 12 months ago, but there is a risk there, and that risk kind of kind of bugs me. And this is this is again what you said, Fulvio, a couple of weeks ago that Inter have to wrap up, you know, everything concerning the Champions League before the Juve game, because after that. The, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, Nima, actually, no. you just you just you just read my mind because I was actually going to bring up that exact point that it was almost a year ago to the day that Inter, I believe, at the time were still undefeated. I think in Serie A, and yeah. I know they were in first place. And where did they go? They went. Uh, they played Udinese, and I believe lost three to one. Yeah. And Lasagna and company, not spaghetti, but Lasagna. <laughs> he uh, he he and his he and his lads uh, uh, took us down, and that began a series of a miserable January. And I believe even into February that Inter really struggled to come out of until the spring uh, to get back in, in, you know, and obviously in, until the very last match day, in fact, against Lazio. But uh, yeah, it, it, Udinese is, is another one of those Sassuolos and Torinos that you have to watch out for. Yeah, um, Alex, uh, I mean, of all the times to play Atalanta away or Sassuolo, or sorry, Udinese, it, it's, it's really the worst time now, isn't it, after these, these results? Yeah, it's, I mean, it, there's two ways to look at it. It's either the worst time or it's the best time. Uh, you know, not, not to say that a, a strong victory over Udinese is the type of thing that's going to leave everyone brimming with confidence, but maybe this would give Inter a chance at the San Siro to win, to win a game in, in commanding fashion and, and maybe avoid this December slump to go into late December and into January and February like it did a year ago. So I, I am cautiously optimistic i've reached that point as an interista where you know, this time of year i certainly don't feel confident heading into any match but i am cautiously optimistic that maybe a strong showing uh, on saturday coming off of you know disappointment against psv disappointment although a good performance against juventus that uh, maybe something if something good does happen this weekend that it can maybe take inter out of their slump Absolutely. So, having said that, because you're cautiously optimistic, you get to you get the honor of predicting uh, the game, then uh, the result, and let us know what you th- what do you think? Scoreline scorers. Well, I, I wonder how much squad rotation we see, uh, but I, I would say, regardless of whether he starts the match or comes off the bench, I'm feeling good about a Lataro goal uh, this weekend. I think that you know he's. He's got plenty of detractors over these last couple of matches, you know, but he played well against Frosinone a few weeks ago. Uh, I would like to see Lataro get a goal. And you know, I, I also think uh, Keita Balde, I think that his his run of form that he was having, uh, you know, prior to being uh, being on the bench over the last couple of matches could continue. So I, I like 2-0 Inter over Udinese. Again, cautiously optimistic, not confident. But I would like uh, Lautaro and Keita Balde as my goal scorers. Hmm. Um, I'll pass that question over to you, Critty. You know, I picked us to win our last two games, and we lost to Spurs, and we lost to, um, uh, who was it before that? Oh, uh, Bergamo. We lost to Atalanta. So, uh, I'm going to pick a draw on this one. I just uh, think, um, just for, for superstitious reasons, if nothing else, <laughs> and maybe a little bit of Mo's pessimism that we're missing. Um so I'm going to go with the 1-1 draw. I think uh, Inter, again, I think you can look for Icardi to, to, to somehow score a goal on, on either a set piece or find something in the box where he's just, you know, in, in the right position at the right time. And fortunately, I think that, you know, uh, Inter's defense is their back four is going to leak one and uh, give Udinese either, um, 
you know, a little little gleam of, of, of hope of, of, of winning something big, but I don't think that they can do it in the end. I think we end up with uh, splitting the points. That's that's uh, a good yeah. For Fulvio, uh, what, what what is yeah. your prediction on uh, the Udinese game scorers and result? Well, I want to be optimistic here because <laughs> I'm optimistic by nature. So yes, I would say one zero. Uh, so I expect uh, Inter to struggle, but uh, in, uh, at the same at the same time, Inter will will raise the bias defense. Uh, because I I, tr I really trust the guy defense the Skriniar and Defray were, were among the best player against PSV, despite being uh, the team uh, uh, a disappointment. Um, so yes, one zero, but uh, a game uh, that um, could be disappoint disappointing at some time, and uh, after that uh, could be decided uh, by. Uh, by a, a bowler, I would say, and uh, I would like to, I would like Politano to score actually, because uh, I think he well, he, he deserved that. Yeah, I, I think you know, speaking of uh, Politano, um, he's uh, wow, what a signing! I mean, I read, I think I don't know if it was useful, I think, it, or who it was who tweeted out that this is the first Auxilio big money signing that has been a complete and utter success. Uh, and and I and and, and I can't I, I can't you know I have to agree with you. What a player he is! I damn like I'm so happy. I mean, the, I don't think there's any doubt that this guy will stay at Inter and that we will uh, redeem his. Uh, uh, we will redeem his. Uh, you know, the, they will stay with Inter, and I'm I'm happy. I'm happy to see that happen because I think this guy is absolutely fantastic. Um, personally, when it comes to the news again, I'm I'm thinking I'm not. You know, you guys are optimistic. I'm not. I'm. I. This is December. You know. Uh, this is. Um, I'm. I'm scared. Uh, they, you know. I. I. I think a one-one draw. I think we're back there. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. I don't want to be that guy, but I think we're back in the one-one draw. I think we're back in the building from scratch again and all that stuff. Uh, we're we're back there, so I think a one-all draw. Right um, uh, now, it's time for us to uh, go uh, to go walk down memory lane and look back through the glorious history, um, uh, glorious Inter Inter's glorious history by highlighting an old player uh, uh, or a coach or someone worthy of uh, being an Inter legend with Mr. Creedy Smith. Non è un personaggio. Che, che, che può essere sostituito perché era un personaggio assolutamente unico. Il fatto che abbia sempre eh, pensato e avuto nel cuore due colori, il nero e l'azzurro. Oh, guys, we're talking about uh, all this inter struggling right now and, and, and maybe being back, quote unquote, back there. And let's, let's, let's go back there. Let's talk about when Inter was really, really good. Uh, we're going to talk about specifically the 1988-89 season and one, one particular uh, player off that team who would end up later becoming uh, one of the few German players ever to win the Ballon d'Or, would also win a World Cup, win a European Championship, uh, and also return Inter to European glory. Uh, granted, it wasn't the Champions League, but it was a UEFA Cup. Uh, when the competition was at that time very highly contested because the Champions League, of course, was much smaller at that time, allowing for fewer teams to get in. So the UEFA Cup was very competitive, and it had been since uh, 1965, since Inter last uh, won European silverware until this player got there. And we're talking about one of the all-time greats, guys. Um, he could play midfield. He could play sweeper. He could play forward if he needed to. We're talking about Lothar Matthäus, the uh, sort of the German utility man, one of the uh, true greats, appeared in five World Cups, um, has uh, the 
most caps by far in German history. And, you know, this is a, this is a player that really could do anything that Giovanni Trapattoni asked of him. It was, uh, he, he, he almost, it was, you know, like a Swiss army knife, so to speak. He could, he could really, he could, you could line up anywhere. He could, he could play any position, uh, especially in the outfield. I don't know how he was in goal. We never really got to see that, but, um, you know, he's he's one of those guys that really restored uh, glory back to Inter. He helped uh, after an almost decade-long drought of not winning the Scudetto. They won that in 1989. And um, it was with him and Andreas Prime coming over with the first two signings uh, that Trapattoni made for the uh, international players. And back then, of course, uh, Serie A teams could only have three international international spots on the roster. So you had to be very careful about who you selected. Uh, later, of course, uh, someone will have on the pod in the, in the future as well as uh, Jürgen Klinsmann joined that squad. And basically, you had three players from the 1990 uh, German World Cup uh, title team that, that were on Inter. And, and when you have that kind of that kind of uh, personnel, it's, it's, it's hard to lose. But um, Trapattoni really reinvigorated Inter and had this clear cut vision when he got there that, uh, of the type of players that he wanted. He went out and got them. And, you know, a lot of people. Um, they sort of identify Lothar Matthäus with Bayern Munich, and honestly, I don't. I, I know that he played more years there of his career, but when I think about Lothar Matthäus and in his prime, I think about Inter, 100% about Inter. And, and if you really think about it, you know, just entering uh, the Hall of Fame recently uh, for the club, I think that he might feel that way too. I, I really think that there's, there's a special bond between him and this club and he played in a time when Serie A was undoubtedly the best league in the world. So he was playing against all the top-tier talent, and that included one Diego Maradona, who a lot of people consider the greatest of all time to ever touch a ball. And Diego Maradona is quoted as saying, he's the greatest rival I ever had. And the one guy who could really shut down Maradona, that, that, that was his exact assignment in the 1990 World Cup final was to basically negate Diego Maradona. He did that uh, over 90 minutes. So, guys, I want to talk about him and want your opinions on this guy because he's my favorite Inter player of all time. He's my favorite footballer of all time. And um, I'm a little bit biased here, but uh, and I wish that Mo were here to share in the enthusiasm because I yeah. know he feels much of the same about this man. But, um, Nima, let's start off with you. What, 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 are some, what, are, what do you think of uh, when you hear Lota Mateos as it pertains to Inter? I mean, that, that Inter side that he represents, the Inter de Record, uh, the Trapattoni Inter, the, you know, the, the, um, the Zenga, Riccardo Ferri, Bergomi, uh, you know, uh, that for me is, uh, that, that he's, he's a symbol of that Inter for, for me. Um, and, and the way he, he tied together a midfield, uh, you know, the, the way he tied together the defense with the attack and the way he, how majestically he ran with the ball glued at his feet and then could pull off the trigger and score these fantastic long-range goals. Um, he, was, he was majestic. That, that's, the word, that's the word that pops into my head when I think of him when, with the way he plays, the, when he played. Majestic. He had, a, had like a royal aura about him him when he played on the on, on the pitch um, and and uh, for me I mean he's the reason you know that Inter and, and him and, and Breme are the reason why I became an Interista so for me is is the guy's a the guy's a complete legend I mean he's uh, sure he you know he he didn't you know the way he left Inter maybe maybe you know he, he didn't he, he dipped a lot before leaving Inter but when he was the way he dominated uh, the Serie A which back then was the best league in the world, uh, the way he dominated the midfield, uh, and you had Maradona there, exactly like you say, 
to me, that, that makes him one of the greatest midfielders to ever wear the Nerazzurri shirt. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And uh, Fulvio, uh, maybe if you could comment also on, on this, and I want your thoughts on this, but uh, I also don't want to overlook, I don't want to overlook that 1991 UEFA Cup because I do believe that that was a, a very, very prestigious achievement for that team, particularly uh, as far as um, that competition went at that time. Well, uh, when we come to Lothar Mateus, uh, practically we come to my childhood because I'm from 1983. And uh, so I really was a kid when, uh, when Mateus played with, uh, with Inter. At the time, uh, I did not tend to consider a player for his strength, but uh, for, for the sympathy, you know. And uh, I remember that uh, at that time I was really into Nicola Berti. Um, because it, it was it was practically the, the greatest rival of, uh, of Milan, of AC Milan. Um, but still, uh, um, I, I joined, actually, uh, I enjoy, sorry, not enjoy, enjoy um, Mateus uh, um, afterwards in the years with Bayern uh, as a player, I, I mean, to value him. So it was uh, incredibly class player as a sweeper, probably the last great sweeper uh, that, uh, that the football have, have seen um, when Baresi practically was retiring. Um, and uh, yes, my my um, I, I remember that he was a really special player uh, for uh, a lot of reasons, uh, and um, uh, and I did I did not realize that was the best player in the world at the time. But uh, yes, of course, uh, if I'm so in love with Inter, it's uh, it depends uh, it depends by him. Alex, I know that you said uh, your, your, your father uh, grew up in, uh, in Teristi, and of course you, you got that from him, uh, just passing it down. So did he, uh, has he ever talked to you about Lothar Mateos, or what are some of your memories of, of Lothar? Well, well my, my, my dad was a great fan of Andreas Breme, to be honest. So I, I received uh, a, lot of, um, a lot of witnesses about, uh, about Breme. But um, what, what my dad said to me is that Mateus practically could, uh, was a game changer, was literally a game changer. Um, so was practically the guy that, um, that uh, the, the team rely uh, at the time to, to change every single game. Um, and it could happen with, uh, in, in, in a lot of ways, uh, according to the, to, the, to the stories that I, that I heard. And of course, I saw some, some images and I know that it was uh, really, really a, a good player. And um, yes, actually, mm, actually, I I have a I have this regret to to lose in uh, in some way this uh, this great player uh, playing with Inter. Um, but I, I remember that uh, like uh, from my heart and not from my from my head. I don't know if I set my point, but still, it's. Mm. Uh, Yes, it, it it is it is um it is an unforgettable player for us. No, you absolutely you absolutely did, Fulvio. Um, Alex, your 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 dad was Interisti too, right? Yeah, oh, absolutely. And and for me, uh, born in '84, so some of my great childhood memories were Lothar Mateus led squads, and to the point where you know he, he really he's the only former Inter player that I've had a chance to get to know a little bit on a personal level in recent years. Uh, he's he's an ambassador actually for Bayern. And, uh, and I have some friends who work with that organization in, in the United States. And so I've had the chance to meet him a couple of times. I've had the chance to have him on my show. And just to echo something, Critty, that you were saying uh, when you were really running down his legendary status, I can confirm 1000 percent 
that Lothar still has love for Inter, that it's something where I think maybe to most people, he's more synonymous with Bayern. I, I think he acknowledges that the most crucial years of his club career were spent with Inter. And, and he's always said that, you know, having the opportunity that he had in, in the late 80s to to go and play in Serie A, which was the absolute premier league in the sport at that time, and and to compete on the highest level with Inter, it's something that's always special in his heart. So I, I think it's it's been very neat for me, you know, to know that, that even though, you know, Bayern fans consider him to be you know, their great ambassador, he has a special spot in his heart for the Nerazzurri, and I, I can confirm that a thousand percent. Mm, yeah. Well, uh, I think I think it needs to be said, Alex. I think I think it needs to be said that you went to a Bayern Munich event to meet Lothar Mateos, and you were wearing an Inter shirt. So that is yeah, it, it was amazing. <laughs> I was at it, it was great because uh, because I you know again like uh, he he was in he was in town here in Miami where I live uh, for for a Bayern watch party, and you know I knew that there would be there were literally about three hundred Bayern fans all wearing. Bayern shirts, Bayern scarves, and I stroll in here wearing wearing an Inter jersey that I, I wanted to have Lothar sign, and he graciously signed it for me. And, and I, I I got some dirty looks that day. I did have to wear a Bayern scarf to camouflage a little bit, but yeah, but it was a Bayern scarf. It, it was my my entry in was a Bayern scarf, even though I'm wearing the blue and black underneath. And and yeah, so I do have you know one of the few pieces of sport memorabilia that I have is is a signed inter shirt by Lothar. So it's something I treasure. Well, oh my God. Man. That's, that's amazing. What a story. Um, yeah, I think <laughs> I would, it's the, it's the only time I would be like, uh, I would, I would be completely giddy. Like, uh, like, uh, like, yes. a, I mean, Lothar is Lothar for crying out loud. I, I have a friend, <laughs> I have a call, I have a colleague who I, I'm incredibly jealous of because Lothar actually, uh, spoke to him. Uh, they, uh, for, for, you know, he was addressed by Lothar. They were, they were at the wow. press stand. Yeah, it was, they were at the, he was covering, he's, um, he was, they were, I think it was, um, the World Cup. Um, no, no, it wasn't a World Cup. It was, uh, I think, Champions League or Europa League or something like that. And he's he's a commentator here in Sweden. And Lothar um, touched him and said, "Can I borrow your iPhone charger?" Um, I uh, and 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 or actually, as 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 my friend says, he said, "Lothar doesn't ask. Lothar takes." So Lothar point, you know, touched him and said. I'll borrow, I'll borrow your charger for a minute. <laughs> and then he just took it from him and he charged it. And I, I was so jealous. And I, 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 I'm extremely jealous now. <laughs> that's, that's hilarious. If yeah, hey, no, no, yeah, because I, because I told him, I was like, what did he ask you? He's like, and then I got the text back saying, Lothar doesn't ask, Lothar takes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so that was, that was, yeah, but I mean, the guy is, he's, he's a legend. I mean, what are you going to do? He's, 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 I mean, these, these players with the charisma, isn't it? Like, uh, the, the charisma these people have, I mean, it's, it's just unbelievable. Uh, yeah, Lothar was one of those guys. Right. Um, uh, I thought uh, let's move on to the part of the show where we pay tribute, rip the piss out of, uh, and criticize someone or something uh, heavily in the world of football, uh, starting with the uh, the Moji of the Week, uh, which will be presented by Mr. Fulvio Santucci. So, I guess you all remember what happened uh, last week with Roma Inter. 
this career penalty denied to Zaniolo. Uh, and uh, that's our story begin. Um, I mean, it's fair enough to complain about that. That was unacceptable in a match where Barry was watching, should double check. We all agree with that. But on the other side, it becomes ridiculous when Mr. Francesco Totti came in front of Italian TV camera and to practically shrink the entire match to that episode. While I think that we all witnessed Roma struggling along the match, eventually draw that. And it was a fair draw, but still a draw. I mean, come on. Uh, so what's the collateral effect of this? When Totti says something, all, and I mean all Roma supporters agree with him unconditionally. And then uh, the result is that we had for a week Roma supporters pointing at Inter supporters about being stolen by a sure victory. And that's not according to the match we all saw and, you know, and we all watched. Well, a week later, so we come to the, to the, to the, to the last weekend, um, Roma happened to play against Cagliari, uh, so low table side. Um, they doubled the lead at some point. Then uh, uh, Di Francesco practically committed a suicide by replacing uh, Patrick Schick with uh, Flaco Pastore. Uh, when there were 30 minutes to go, which is uh, strategically inconceivable, I think, because Sheik was the uh, the only forward into the field. Uh, so what happened? Cagliari started to come back and found a goal scored by Yonita with five minutes to go. Then Di Francesco decided to insert his fifth defender. Um, and that's when the two Cagliari players were sent off at the same time just for complaining with the referee, which is exactly what happened every single time in Italy when a, a club complains with the referee in the previous week. Uh, it's called compensation. You made practically a second mistake against the third mistake to cover the first mistake. I don't know if it's clear, but still, it's like that. But yeah. It is. It is clear. I call, yeah. it, I call it the Italian okey-doke. It's basically yeah. two mistakes, two wrongs make one right. <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly, exactly. The, the concept is perfect. But since we all know that karma is a bitch, what happened? <laughs> Cagliari drew the match at the last second, nine against 11. And that's exactly what happened when you cover your weaknesses with an alibi. So that's why, Roma, you are the moji of the week. So accept it. Or to say in the Roman way, stache, which is exactly <laughs> the Roman way to say accept it. <laughs> Love it. Absolutely brilliant, Fulvio. That was fantastic. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant moji, brilliant moji. Right. Uh, let's move on to a slightly more comical um, thing. Uh, this week's um, frog, which we presented by Mr. Alex Dono. E clamoroso! Autogol di Ranocchia! This is historic. What a discovery. There actually exists in Milano a <laughs> calcio academy known as Centro Sportivo Frog, also known as Frog <laughs> Milano. It, it, it's, a, it's an FIGC-recognized calcio school, which apparently is also the home of an Udinese academy. Uh, I'm still, guys, I'm trying to dig deeper to see if Andrea Ranocchia is in any way involved, if he's the CEO, if he if he lent his nickname to this project. But to <laughs> me, knowing, and keeping in mind, guys, I have a, a nine-month-old son, so he's a little young, he can't walk yet, so he can't quite kick uh, the football. But as soon as my son is of age, I am shipping him to Milano, and I am sending him <laughs> to Frog Milano. Just the fact that this exists. And guys, if, if we're looking for a sponsor for this segment, yeah, I think yeah. we need to get Frog Milano involved in this. I, I thought this was a treat. I, I'm not sure, Nima, if it was you or Fulvio who revealed this on, on our group chat. It was me. It was me. Well, Fulvio, A-plus a work, sir. This this was an amazing find that there is actually a, a, a calcio center, Frog Milano. The next time I am in the area, 
I will find Frog Milano and pay my respects. I need to see this place in person. <laughs> okay, so for your information, is in the south of Milan, so practically on the on the south on a suburb on the south of Milan. I, I will make the trip. I, I don't care. I don't care if it's as far south as Napoli. I will make a trip to Frog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the full story is that actually I I played against the Fro against Frog Milano when I was when I was young when I was 14 or 16 uh, something like that. So I I know that that exists for sure. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it was actually Fulvio who introduced this on Twitter. So I think Fulvio should explain the whole Frog Milano phenomenon that that what what is this? <laughs> Uh, well, I don't know. It's like uh, I, I actually did not expect the success, to be honest. <laughs> but uh, no, the, the thing is that uh, the thing is that uh, I was searching for uh, a team that is known into the area, and actually in the uh, in, here in the neighborhood of Milan, everybody in the in their in, in their childhood uh, or when they was teenager played against uh, against this uh, Frog Milano that uh, originally was called Frog Montegani because come from Via Montegani, that is actually a street uh, in the south of Milan. Uh, and uh, yes, I was searching I was searching a name because the concept was uh, that uh, you're complaining because we lost against Juventus, but uh, Juventus is not from Montegani, right? So I was, <laughs> I, was, I, was, I, was searching for, I was searching for a team that uh, have um, an hilarious name and that could could strength to, could uh, could give a force to the concept, and uh, yes, and this frog Montegani came. So I actually don't know why they call frog and frog Milano. Why? why what do you think about the frog? Uh, but uh, yes, it, it always been hilarious to me. Like it's this to you now, guys. So uh, so I'm uh, I'm glad that uh, that you appreciate that. Oh my god! When you tweeted it out, I I fell apart, and that's when I put it in our WhatsApp group, and everyone was like, "What? What? He? What?" It was uh, I was brilliant. It was it, it's like it's like after this, I, I I was thinking after this, we have to almost retire this sec this segment of the show because there will never be a more ultimate frog than the frog FC Milano. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, just, it's just you know, it's the pinnacle, right? Um, uh, I know you got to run, Fulvio. Thanks so much for coming, um, for 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 being on the show. Uh, I know. We, we ran uh, we ran over time a little bit um so thanks for for, for coming on uh and be um, before we we before we wrap up uh, everything here um uh it's a time for the uh, moji of the week uh, uh, sorry the moratti of the week uh, which i'll be presenting myself he's, he works a lot he's intelligent and he surprises uh, people sometimes with his uh, ideas. Not easy to find one person of this uh, qualities. Yes. Yeah, so this, you know, after um, uh, after um, after, despite everything, uh, before we started recording, I think uh, you said something pretty that uh, that really got to me, and that was uh, the, the, like how far we've come in in such a short period of time. To see 65,000, you know, people against PSV and the atmosphere they created. And like you said uh, as well, Alex, during, you know, tonight, how we, you know, how this team was, 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 was built, you know, was running on the enthusiasm of those, of those fans. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, we, we lost against Beersheva, uh, basically a you know a non-league team in 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 Israel ten years ago, who who did be beat us home and away, and and to just the progression that this club has made these past few years, and 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 especially the fans, and how they can lift this team, and how interconnected they are, uh, no pun intended, 
um, that that for me is uh, is is the Marathi of the week. And 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 although we're disappointed today, you know, just think about how how really horrible things were just two three years ago. Um, so we've come a long way. There's a lot way still to go, but I think Inter fans, the way you know, the way Inter fans at the Miazza have have really electrified uh, this, the, you know, lit up this Champions League autumn has been, you know, definitely the the, the Moratti of the week for me. Right. Um, I uh, I think that's that's all we had time for this week. Uh, I think that was the most epic frog ever, Alex. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I I will will you know it's great to have having you on again and don't be a stranger. I won't. Thank you so much for having me and Forza Inter. Always and you too, Critty. It's always a pleasure. Great. Uh, hope hope next time we're, we'll be talking about a win. Absolutely. Uh, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure, guys, and uh, look forward to the next time. And also check out Interlegends by Critty Smith, which will be coming soon in video format on our YouTube channel, Sempre Intercom, SITV. Check that out. Uh, until next week, I'm your host, Nima Tavale-Rutsari, wishing you all a good week, three points, and sempre e solo Forza Inter. Forza Inter!